Welcome to the BAMCAM with Jack Burnett and Allison Castellano from RFG Advisory. In this podcast, we explore how life and financial well-being are intertwined. We'll look into areas concerning motivation and attitude, financial planning, investing, and much more. Our goal is to empower you with the information and resources you need to help manage your money and strive towards the life you've always wanted. So sit back, relax, and join us on this journey of uncovering your true self and achieving financial independence. Hello and welcome to the BAM Cam Podcast with your hosts, Jack Burnett and Allison Castellano. I'm Wendy McConnell. Hi, you two. How are you? We're we good. How are you? Very good, Wendy. Nice oh, to see you. It is nice to see you guys. So it's always a pleasure. You're always so pleasant and happy and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so what are we going to be talking about today? Health insurance. Oh, yeah. fun. Okay. You know, many people uh, do elections for health insurance in the fall. And um, uh, although this episode will probably air after many people have made those elections, but it's something that can be reviewed, you know, at a later date also as we talk about health insurance. And it's confusing for a lot of people. It's very confusing. So what exactly does health insurance entail? Well, mostly health insurance is going to cover, you know, your the cost of your basic health care, mm-hmm. uh, but it can come in a lot of different forms and, and fashions. When people, most people get their health insurance through their employer, yeah. if they're employed. So the employer comes to in annually with opportunities to make selections for your health insurance. And so people don't understand what the difference is. You know, what's an HMO? What's a PPO? You know, what's a high deductible plan? And they don't really know. So they ask a friend maybe what yeah. you do or, or or whatever, their friend or colleague. And they don't really look at it strategically for what's best for their for their family or yeah. for themselves and, and making the optimal selection from that standpoint. They, you know, they're confused. People don't understand really what, you know, what does it mean when you have deductibles and co-insurance yeah. or co-payments or, or what's the difference between co-insurance and co-payments things of that net aspect what's network what yeah. you know what all that sort of thing so i think people get confused and they don't realize that they can sometimes you may want to consult with your financial advisor or if you don't have a financial advisor you can certainly consult with us and we can give you some guidance and and as to how to go about making these these selections. Yeah. I know when I was making my selections, when I was teaching, I felt a lot of pressure. They did it like in August when school was starting and right. and we had like a two week window, but it was also the busiest time of year because you're getting to know your new students. And it was it was just so overwhelming trying to make those decisions. And I just really didn't have time to like educate myself on it. Right, right. It was hard. Yeah. And, but you did reach out to me when you yes. were teaching and usually I helped you make what was, what was a good decision. Yes. So. And then I just kept it the same. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's usually what happens, but sometimes circumstances change that may warrant making a yeah. different selection. What exactly you, you had some abbreviations, some acronyms in there that that's I heard. HMO. Can H- you tell me what an HMO An is? HMO is a health maintenance organization. Now, what is what does that mean? It, it in a very simple terms, you are 
letting your primary care physician be your gatekeeper. And HMO is, is as an organization, is focused on, on health care that's delivered within that network of that okay. health maintenance organization. And your primary care physician will be your gatekeeper for that from that standpoint. So referrals to specialists mm-hmm. come through your primary care physician. Okay. And it's a and, and those types of healthcare plans are more focused on wellness and and keeping you healthy and from that perspective. And that you know that's who you you really need to focus on everything going through your primary care physician when you're working with an HMO. That also means typically your healthcare must be administered through that network, that okay, HMO so network. It's a little bit more um, restricted. Yeah. So it, you know, it's an emphasis on preventative care, wellness, mm-hmm. uh, everything being driven through your primary care physician as your as your network. You can't just pick up the phone and go straight to a specialist. Everything has to yeah. be driven through the so primary care doctor. When I hurt my shoulder, you know, last year. I picked up the phone and called an orthopedist office. Can't do that. I can't in an do HMO. that. Okay. okay that's well, well, you can, but it won't be covered. Well, I don't want anything not covered. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You also mentioned PPO. What is PPO? A PPO is a preferred provider organization. And a PPO plan offers greater flexibility than an okay. HMO. And you generally, while you still want to have a primary care physician to cover your preventive care and wellness, you don't have to go through your primary care physician for specialists. You can go within your network. It still emphasizes okay. pre- preferred provider. Yeah. Okay. It really is referring to a network of providers. That's the preferred part. So you want to, but you can contact directly specialist within your network as another preferred provider. And you can and you reach can out to your find orth- them on like an app. Like I know we have an app for our insurance and Correct. I can go and search orthopedist. And, exactly. And all the, and they'll show you all the in network orthopedists within mm-hmm. a certain mile radius of your zip code yeah. that you're searching. So, and it allows you to go directly to those specialists from that standpoint. A preferred provider uh, network will cover in-network coverage at one type of coverage, but it will also allow you to go outside your network if you would like. Okay. But it may be under less favorable economic terms. In other words, you may have higher costs. You may not have the preferred pricing, or you may have higher deductibles, coinsurance, et cetera, if you go out of network. So you typically will also have an out-of-pocket maximum uh, in a PPO, and but it may be a different out-of-pocket maximum for out-of-network versus in-network. Okay. So anyway, it gives you greater flexibility than an HMO. Okay. Now, you also mentioned another type of plan, a high deductible. Correct. And this is typically for people that are generally very healthy. I think often young people can benefit from an, uh, a high deductible plan. And a high deductible plan means just that. It's got a higher deductible, which is the amount of money you pay out of pocket up front before the insurance kicks in. And you generally, it's paired with what's called an HSA or health savings account. 
And an HSA um, is an account where you can put money in pre-tax okay. as a payroll deduction and or the employer may fund it on your okay. behalf or it may be a combination of the two. And there's some tax advantage savings in that with that type of plan. And then typically, let's say you reach retirement age and there's money in an, an HSA. Yeah. That can also be converted into a retirement account down the road okay. at, at retirement. So there's some opportunities from, from that standpoint. A high deductible plan will be less costly to the both the employer and the employee so the as a payroll premiums. deduction. So lower premiums. Okay. And so if you're healthy, you don't mm -hmm. consume a lot of healthcare resources, that offers perhaps greater flexibility. Okay. That's it would not be advised for someone that has chronic illnesses or a, a great deal of, of healthcare resources that they need to consume. Okay. That's interesting. Well, you, you mentioned some words that I know I see in my insurance plan a lot, like deductible and co-payment and co-insurance. Sure. A lot Can of people don't understand those? what all that means. A deductible is what that means is basically the amount of money you pay up, for, pay first before insurance kicks in. So let's say a plan has a $1,000 deductible mm -hmm. and it, and it may be if you have more than one person on a plan, each person has could, their own. So you may, yes, you may have a deductible per person. Mm -hmm. You may also have a family out of pocket deductible. Okay. So in your family, for example, you're a family of three, you, your husband and Adrian and, and Laura, if you're all on the same family plan, which you are right now, yes. you have an individual deductible, and I don't remember what yours is, but let's say it's $1,000. Yeah. Your family deductible maximum might be $2,000. So it may not be 1000 per person, but yeah. it might be 2000 from that perspective. So that what that means is you're, you pay that money first before... Mm -hmm any insurance benefits kick in. Yeah. So generally in January, February, you're paying money out of pocket. If you go yeah. to the doctor and and the, the bill's $80, you're going to pay all $80 because your deductible has not been met. Yeah. So that's, that's right. when the, I had the MRI on my shoulder, it was quite expensive. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. yeah because your deductible had not been met at that point. And I yeah. went in like February. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> But once it's met, then your insurance benefits come into play. And then, yeah. and then you have coinsurance or copays that come into play. Yeah. And so those sound very similar, but they're totally different concepts. Well, they, both start with, they both start with the same first two letters. I know. <laughs> in, a, in simple terms, the difference is one is fixed rate and one is percentage. Okay. So, so a copay means it's a fixed rate that you pay when you have a medical service or procedure administered. A copay, uh, let's say for example, you, and you, your plan may call for different copays depending on the type of service. Yeah. So let's say a primary care physician uh, copay might be $20. Okay. And a specialist copay might be $40. Yep. So that's not an uncommon 
type of thing, or it may just be $20 for all physician copays. Every plan is, is different, but a copay is going to be a fixed dollar amount regardless. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if the, if your service is $60 that you're having done, or if it's a thousand dollars you're having yeah. done, the copay is a fixed dollar amount. Mm-hmm. It could also be for procedures could have a different copay. A, a procedures yeah. might be a $50 copay, like an MRI. Yeah. But that is a fixed dollar amount. Coinsurance is a, a part that you pay of each procedure or service, but it's as a percentage. So it instead of it being $20 or $40, it might be 20%. So okay. the more expensive that service is, the more you're going to pay. The more you're going to pay because it's going to be a percentage of that service. Yeah. And it's common and and for example, Medicare, mm-hmm. traditional Medicare, we'll talk about that down uh, in a little bit, is done on a um coinsurance perspective. Yeah. It's based on a, a a percentage sharing. Yeah, so basically Copayment, I can expect, I can know what I'm going to pay when I show up at the doctor's office, but coinsurance, I might not know what I'm going to pay Correct. until the services are provided. So you need to understand your plan. You're typically not going to have a plan that has copay and coinsurance. It's going to, yeah. you're going to have two things to, to pay attention to the deductible and do you have copays or do you have coinsurance? Yeah. So that's, that's what you need to understand. Yeah. But you're going to have one or the other. One or the other. So you won't have both. That's good to know. And then some, some services may have no copay at all. So for instance, wellness Wellness visits often are, have zero copay, but I'll, I'll throw a little catch into when you're, if you go to the doctor or what you think is a checkup and a wellness visit Mm -hmm. and you bring up some yes. issue you're having an issue with, um, you know, say, no say, well you know, say doctor, you know, I, I'm also have these sniffles. I, I'm, I feel like I'm coming down with a sinus <laughs> infection and that sort of thing, even though we're doing a checkup and, and then your physician is going to code that service, not as a wellness visit. They're going to mm-hmm. code it as a, generally they have different levels of complexity. So they, the, physician may code it as a, a level one office visit that won't have a zero copay. And so what you thought was going to be a zero copay now is going to have a $20 copay yeah. or three. I, I have learned this about the well visits, having a child. Correct. Because every time Laura goes for one of her, you know, 12 month checkup or um, nine month checkup, that's all no copay. Mm-hmm. But when we take her for a sick visit, $30. Absolutely. <laughs> Yours is 30 yeah. for every, every time. So, yeah. Um, so, so I, I, I don't think I realized that about our health insurance plan until I had a child who was going for more well visits correct. than I go for. Correct. Always learning. Yep. Yep. So, so, well, let's talk about the affordable care act for a minute. Okay. People are, um, this was also known as Obamacare, yeah. uh, came into effect during the uh, Barack Obama presidential administration, and it was it was controversial, and it barely passed Congress, mm-hmm. I believe, by one vote in the House. But what it was designed to do is uh, bring health insurance availability to 
uh, people that didn't have access to health insurance through uh, their employer uh, or that weren't employed and to have access to health insurance and to address the issue of pre-existing conditions where people could be excluded from health care because they had had cancer in the past or or had a chronic uh, illness such as diabetes or something of that nature that insurance companies could not screen against those people. Yeah. So it brought some fairness to the marketplace, but it did not reduce cost, which is what part of the, the what was promised as part of the, mm-hmm. uh, the legislation. It established uh, what's called exchanges, which is basically a health insurance marketplace where people can go online and see what plans are available to them. But they're typically still pretty expensive. Yeah. Uh, and they're certainly more expensive than plans available through your employer for the most part, because employers subsidize the premiums Okay, when you're working for an employer and that's part of your benefit package. So when you're uh, the premiums or the cost of the healthcare, when you're working are typically lower for, for the employee because the employer is paying part of that premium. Yeah. The ACA or Obamacare also provides for low-income families a greater access to Medicaid or um, also, in some cases, subsidies, actually, where the federal government will pay part of the premium okay. for the health care if you're a low-income person. So yeah. let's say a young single person that is working in a low-paying job Mm-hmm. So let's say, or, or is out of work or, or yeah. just a student and, and they're greater than, than, and typically parents can cover children up to age 26 yeah. on their plans. So let's say someone that's over 26, not employed, still a student, grad student mm-hmm. or something of that nature, they can get care through the Obamacare through the exchange okay. and it might be subsidized by the federal government. Okay. So from that standpoint. What's the difference between Medicare and Medicaid? We've talked about a little bit, but in simple terms, Medicare is for old people like me. Okay. <laughs> and um Medicaid is for poor people, which is for the for the basically care for the the indigent and low income okay. and, and the like. That's an oversimplification. Medicare goes into effect at age 65 for everyone. Okay. So you don't have a choice. You hit age 65 and you have to enroll in Medicare. Correct. Okay. Uh, except unless you're still employed. Okay. And you're under your employer health care plan. You can delay that until you are no longer employed. Okay. And But you have to have access to that. Now, many employer plans, if you're 65, force you to go to Medicare. They're not, they don't give they you the option. They kick you off? They, they can. Okay. So it depends. It's going to be plan to plan. Mm-hmm. So, and, and certainly retiree healthcare plans, people that have access to a healthcare, a group healthcare plan in retirement, which is not a whole lot of people in retirement, but, but some may have access to a, a retiree healthcare plan. And if that's the case, they almost always will kick you over to Medicare at that point uh, because it's shifting more of the burden to the federal government than, yeah. than the employer. 
But Medicare is generally for people 65 and older, and Medicare has has several components. Now, another exception to Medicare is if you are disabled, so younger people or people that that have renal disease on dialysis or whatever, regardless of age, qualify for Medicare and the, and the okay. burden is shifted over to, um, to the, the federal government system. Medicare is broken down into several parts. parts yeah. I've a. always heard a, B, C, D. Cor- correct. And so a and B mm-hmm. are hospitalization and outpatients and, and okay. outpatient services, med- yeah. physician services and, and other non-hospital services. Okay. And that's the basic part of, of Medicare, Medicare C. Well, let me, Medicare D because mm-hmm. prescriptions are not covered under Medicare. Okay. Medicare D is a prescription drug plan that, that is outside the insurance for prescription coverage. Okay. That is just covers prescriptions and a Medicare C plan is a comprehensive plan um, that is called a Medicare Advantage plan, which basically groups everything into a plan. These are plans sold by insurance companies, mm-hmm. uh, such as Blue Cross or Humana or United, and there's okay. others. And it's an all-in-one plan, which basically replaces Medicare as the as the coverage. Yeah. So everything is, is processed through through that. If you have Medicare. And, and it, things get complicated when you turn 65 yeah, for health care. It's not as simple as it seems. Medicare is traditional Medicare is a coinsurance plan. Mm-hmm. And so it that means that you have it, Medicare covers a percentage, typically 80%. Yeah. So if you have hospitalization, let's say an older person has a heart attack yeah. and has to have cardiovascular surgery and is in the hospital for a week or 10 days and the the bill could be two or three hundred thousand dollars without any problem yeah what's 20 percent of three hundred thousand dollars a lot six sixty (laughs) thousand let's see simple math yeah that would be your your co-insurance and most people getting a bill for sixty thousand dollars it would be a problem yeah yeah so the the you have to it it it's reckless to not have what's called a Medicare supplement plan mm-hmm. um, to pair up against Medicare. You just don't want to be naked with just Medicare only. Yeah. Uh, from that standpoint, it would be reckless to do so. And particularly, the vast majority of healthcare costs in this country in the United States are consumed by people 65 and over. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, I've seen statistics that show that over half of a person's healthcare expenditures occurred during their last 12 months of life. I, I could believe that. So it's, um, you know, and, and we saw that with my father who passed away almost a year ago that, you know, he had several hospitalizations within the last yeah. four months of his life. Yeah. And, and it, it, you know, I saw the bills that were pretty high. The, so you, you don't want to just have Medicare only. That's not suitable. Many people go with a Medicare Advantage plan, but you can also have a Medicare supplement plan. Okay. A Medicare Advantage plan groups it all. So that covers your A and B and, and D yeah. prescription coverage in one plan. 
you see these advertised in the fall where we are now yeah. on television. We're inundated with television ads for Medicare Advantage plans. These are Part C plans that are all in one that they market. And the benefits and the cost of them are vary from plan to plan to plan. You know, it's it is complex in the strategy. And we often when I when we have clients mm -hmm. that are getting ready to approach Medicare, you have a lot of strategic decisions yeah. there that we can help try to simplify what is a fairly complex decision making process. And just some hand holding and navigating is very helpful. Correct. Because it's it's foreign and it's different. Another thing is that people think Medicare is free. Uh, because you, you know, on your payroll deduction, you pay Medicare tax that's yeah. coupled with your social security tax, which is, you know, it's basically FICA, which is social security mm -hmm. and, and Medicare are coupled together. So everybody pays Medicare into Medicare throughout their working uh, career. And, and that's matched by your employer yeah. um, as, as part of that and paid into Medicare. When you go on Medicare, it's not free. You still have a <laughs> Medicare premium that, that you, you have pay. to pay. Okay. On top of that, it is means tested. And what, you may ask, what does that yeah. mean? That the higher your income, the, the more higher you your pay. premium. Yes. Wow. Okay. So uh, it's, and it's so, you know, it's a blessing to make more money, mm -hmm. obviously, but there's also a curse associated with that. Yeah. So to give you an example, when I went on Medicare two years ago, um, anybody that's been following along, most of you know, I'm 67 years old. Um, but when I went on Medicare two years ago, my actual premium cost for healthcare went up, even though I went on the federal on the government. <laughs> So my out-of-pocket cost yeah. for my health care in total went up because the Medicare premium is means tested. Yeah. And that is, that's just the way it works. That's the way the law is written and, and nothing you can do about nothing, it. Nothing I can, nothing I can do. I could make less money. Yeah. And I'm, right now I don't opt to do that. Well, your cruises would have to go on. That's right. Pause. I'd have to go on a tighter budget <laughs> uh, if that were the case. So um, Medicare is kind of complex yeah. and it's something we do a lot of handholding with clients it, it, when people come to those crossroads from that perspective. Jack, Medicare, I have a question. Yes. I was wondering since you're, you're far from 65, Wendy, <laughs> since your premium went up when you switched over to Medicare, it's not an option for you to continue with the insurance plan that you already had. Well, well I was not under an employee covered plan. I'm self-employed. Right. So I had access to my health care through my wife's coverage, which was a retiree health care plan because my wife retired five years ago. Okay. So we moved from an employee plan to a retiree plan. And we we're blessed that, that the company she worked for, uh, my wife worked for Pfizer for over oh, 30, 30 years, almost 38 yeah. years. And Pfizer had great benefits. And so when she retired, we moved from an employee plan to an, a retiree plan. But we were fortunate to have access to that. So on the retiree plan, I was forced to go to Medicare. And, and, it's, and we still have, and they offer their own Medicare Advantage plan that pairs with Medicare. 
And, and that's what, what I do. But if somebody has a, you know, regular employer uh, based healthcare system uh, plan that they've been, you know, using for the last 20 years, is it an option to stay with that rather than go on Medicare? If their plan will allow that, yes, it would. And it actually most likely would be preferable to stay on the, on the, um, uh, employee. And sometimes that plan may require you to at least go on Medicare A. Okay. But not B. So it, okay. it's 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 going to depend on that plan and be very specific. So someone that's working and approaching 65 needs to have conversations with their HR department to know exactly what's required of, of them to continue that coverage. What you don't want it ever is a lapse in, in, in medical coverage. Okay. Good to know. Quickly on Medicaid. Uh, that's typically for low income individuals and families. Um, Medicaid is funded. It's a, basically a joint venture with the federal government and the state, and a state government. Yeah. So the Medicaid plan in every state is going to be a little different and what's eligible, what the income requirements are, is going to vary from state to state. So you'd have to contact, for instance, here in Alabama, the Alabama Medicaid Agency to determine what the income limits are as far as eligibility from from that standpoint. Okay. Well, let's talk about things like an EOB, because that's one of the things that I've gotten much better about examining as I've grown up gotten a little wiser, mm-hmm. just understanding my EOB. An EOB is an explanation of benefits statement. Mm-hmm. Um, your insurance provider for every service that you receive that's processed and billed to the insurance company will send you an explanation of benefit statement, commonly referred to as the EOB. It's very important for you to understand how an EOB works. Uh, the EOB is going to give you all kinds of information about that particular service. So first, it's going to name the provider. So it's whether it's a physician or a lab or a um, diagnostic center where you had x-rays yeah. or, or whatever, or a hospital or surgery center. It's going to show who the provider is. It's going to show the details of the claim. So it may be multiple claims under that one day of service. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there might be a doctor's visit, and then some other type of, of service also coupled through that that, um, that goes. It's going to show what the gross charge is, mm-hmm. which is kind of basically their list price. Your health insurance plan will have a contract price. Yeah. So let's say that physician service, the list price might be $150 for that office visit, but the contract price might be $60. Yeah. And that is something that insurance companies and the and the providers are based on what networks they're part of mm-hmm. negotiate certain prices. So that's called a contractual adjustment. Mm-hmm. So that'll show up on the EOB that shows gross charge and net allowed charge. Yep. And and that's important. And that's what your coinsurance and copay is based, on. based on so part of having access to a plan is access to these contract pricing. Yeah. So if you didn't have insurance at all, you'd be paying list price on everything. Um, so 
you want to know what the um, allowed amount is. It's going to show what the deductible, if that was applied. So mm-hmm. early in, say, January, February, or whatever, you go to the doctor, it may show $150 gross charge, $60 allowed charge, and then it's going to show deductible applied $60 because yeah. you haven't met the deductible yet. Yeah. So, and then, so, and that's your out of pocket cost. So the plan pays zero because yeah. the deductible hasn't been met. So, once the deductible is met, you're going to have the contract pricing and then the amount the insurance company pays, and then it's going to show the net amount you owe out of pocket. Okay. So that's going to be the patient responsibility part. And that's important to match up because what happens, let's say, for example, you didn't pay for anything at the time of service. Yeah. So then the, the provider sends you a bill. And you want to make sure that the bill they send you matches up to what your out-of-pocket responsibility is. Yeah. Uh, because you don't want the the provider to say, okay, we b- billed $150, but even though the contracted price was 60 and they paid 40 yeah. and your out-of-pocket responsibility is 20, mm-hmm. you don't want them to say, you owe 110, 150 minus the 40 the insurance yeah. paid. So they sh- they're not supposed to do that. It's actually illegal for them to try to bill that. But some medical because, billing is its own. Well, and it, it's complex. Yeah. And many places that do medical billing, the people that that process the billing, it's a it's a volume business, and there's mistakes that are made, and so it's on you to understand your EOB and you should match those up to what the bill is to make sure you're not overpaying. And if not, you need to call the provider and say, wait a minute, my EOB says the contract price is 60 insurance paid 40. I only owe you $20. Yeah. And they usually can get that, get that corrected. You know, the EOB is also going to show if you're in network, out of network and, and the like. Yeah. Since we've been talking a little bit about medical billing. Okay. Remember, Laura had her tube surgery. Correct. That was just and, about a month ago. Yeah. And what was like so crazy, I think it was a little, it was in August. Mm-hmm. What was a little crazy is, you know, we paid at the hospital. Um, then we got a bill from the um, doctor that did the surgery. Mm-hmm. Then we got another bill from the hospital and another bill from the anesthesiologist. Correct. And it was just so many bills from so many different places. And what's also crazy is they all came like two months at least after her surgery. Okay. And then they wanted the payment in like 10 days from the date the bill was right. printed. It's almost like they, it's already passed due by the time you receive yeah. the bill. Yeah. yeah. I, I would much rather just pay it all at the time of service. That can but. be very frustrating and it's not uncommon and it's just it, it's just a very imperfect system. It's not every every provider mm-hmm. of service has their own bill that's, that gets processed by the insurance company. So, uh, and then they bill you the net amount mm-hmm. from that perspective. When you have something like surgery, there's multiple people involved. Yeah. You have a facility. That's the hospital or surgery center that... Mm-hmm is, and think of it as a physical plant and it is a facility. It's the OR room and that's one charge. You're going to have the surgeon, the person that actually does the procedure Mm 
Mm-hmm. And that's the doctor that that administers that procedure. They're going to bill and you're going to have services and an and EOB for that. If there's anesthesia involved, you're going to have an anesthesiologist bill. And that's going to be mm-hmm. another physician that's involved doing that. There may be lab tests associated with, yeah. with, with that. So let's, and then there may be a pathologist <laughs> that is, you know, yeah. doing some specialized review of that. There may be, if there's imaging that's done. So let's, uh, for instance, with MRIs and things of that nature, you may have a radiologist that's reading those services. So you can often have multiple medical providers or one procedure that are in, yeah. involved there. And you need to understand how all of those kind of come together. Mm-hmm. So it, it can be quite confusing. Yeah. Yeah. It, it just felt like we got one bill after another bill, after another bill, after another bill, all for the same And you're same thinking, procedure. why are you getting three bills for one procedure? <laughs> procedure, yeah. That but lasted just... about 30 minutes. Oh, yeah. 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 So yeah. it's, 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 it can be a little confusing and overwhelming. Mm-hmm. So, I hope this is clear as mud. <laughs> it probably is clear as mud. But, you know, one thing we've been doing on our on our podcast is talking about adulting. People that that come out of, of the, their families and, and into the real world living life don't understand how all this works. And no. that's one reason why it's often good to have a financial advisor to help you here. And so... Anyone that's a member of our subscription financial planning process could pick up the phone and call us Yeah, and, and say, I don't understand this. Why am I getting two bills for the same procedure? Yep. And we could easily answer that and try to clarify that for them. And that's part of the ongoing service that we would have if you were a subscription member of eaterfinancialwellness.com. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, Self-promotion so the, yes, here. Yes. Tell them how to get in touch with you directly. Allison? Um, you can reach me through email at Allison, A-L-I-S-O-N, at eaterfw.com. And your cell phone? 205-504-9868. Yes. And my cell phone is 205-613-4994. And it's Jack at eaterfw.com. And that's eater, I T E R. Just as a reminder for folks that eater is the Latin word for journey or pathway. Mm -hmm. And we would love to be helping you on your pathway to financial wellness. Well, and I don't know why people get confused with this health insurance stuff. It's so easy and straightforward, (laughs) right? (laughs) Did they make it more difficult for you to follow? (laughs) It is complex as many things in life are. Yes. All right. Good point, Jack. All right. Thank you to both of you. And thank you for listening today. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with your friends. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. Thank you for listening to the Bandcamp Podcast with Jack Burnett and Allison Castellano from RFG Advisory. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at rfgadvisorywealth.com slash Jack Burnett or give us a call at 205-510-9072. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Content here is for illustrative purposes and general information only. It is not legal, tax, or individualized financial advice, nor is it a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any specific security or engage in any specific trading strategy. 
Information here may be provided in part by third-party sources. These sources are generally deemed to be reliable, however, neither our guest nor our FG advisory guarantee the accuracy of third-party sources. The views expressed here are those of our guest. They do not necessarily represent those of RFG Advisory, its employees, or its clients. This commentary should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by RFG Advisory or performance returns of any client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. Securities offered by registered representatives of private client services member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered by investment advisory representatives of RFG Advisory LLC. RFG Advisory or RFG. A registered investment advisor. Private client services and RFG Advisory are unaffiliated entities. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where RFG Advisory and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advisory services may be rendered by RFG Advisory unless a client agreement is in place. RFG Advisory is an SEC Registered Investment Advisor. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of RFG by the Commission, nor does it indicate that RFG or any associated investment advisory representative has attained a particular level of skill or ability.